Some people, Drew, might suggest that you're a relatively accomplished shit talker yourself. Who would be on your Mount Rushmore of encore shit talkers? Oh, encore. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is No Puts Given, episode number 85. I've got Harry, Chris, Tony, and special guest this week, Drew Stoltz. Everybody, welcome, Drew. What up, Drew? Welcome me. Thank you, boys. (laughs) It's good to have you. So I want to give our audience a little bit of an introduction to you. Um, You host two podcasts, correct? One um, called Gary and the Sleaze, which I'll let you explain the sleaze part in a minute. And um, also Subpar, which you co-host with Colt Notes, correct? Correct. Yeah. So the podcast is uh, Golf Subpar. That's with like golf.com, 8 a.m. golf, all those weird. There were one day a week um, podcast. I would say it's like golf centric, mostly golf guests, PGA Tour players, things like that. And then we'll get athletes and people from outside of golf, but it always kind of like ties back to golf. Yeah. The other one is actually a radio show on Sirius XM. It's called Gravy in the Sleeve. So I do that with Colt Nost as well. His nickname coming up. I don't even know when he got it. And by the way, like not very many people actually call him gravy, but so they called him big gravy for a while. So we just took both of our nicknames, gravy and the sleeves. When we first gave it to Sirius XM, they were like, no, no, you got to change it. You can't have the word sleeves in it. And then um, we went back and I was like, well, I don't know what else to call it. And it's kind of a spoof on like corny radio names, like, you know, Iron and the douche or whatever, if you've ever watched, you know, like that. I was like, this sounds just corny enough to be a radio name, but it's also both of our nicknames. So it worked out. And yeah, we go uh, gravy in the sleeves. That's Monday through Wednesday, 12 to two Eastern. You got to tell us where sleeves come from though, because yeah, I every know. time I introduce yeah. you to friends or people or whatever, they're like, Oh, this buddy sleeves like, Oh, sounds like a great person to leave around kids, you know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, I feel like when I get introduced to other people my age or younger and they're like, hey, this is my boy Sleaze, like no one really bats an eye. But then it's like when you get to the older crowd, like if it's someone introduced me to their parents or like a friend or someone at the golf course and they're like, are you the one they call Sleaze? I'm like, oh, you know, you already start (laughs) off like a couple steps behind. But it's actually, it was given to me by a buddy of mine, Nickel, you probably know him, Derek Tolan, right? So he's a Colorado golfer was a stud junior golfer, qualified for the US Open at 16 or whatever. We actually nicknamed him peak 16 because he peaked at age 16 that was kind of the (laughs) highlight of his life so we call him peak 16 which is an awesome nickname but uh it came like just out of nowhere dude we were down here playing i took him out to whisper rock one day and we were playing it was kind of a nasty cold day like it wasn't nice it was in the winter and um as i'm accustomed to doing wasn't hitting it perfectly missing a lot of greens but i was getting up and down from everywhere and meanwhile derek was like you know, hitting the middle of fairway, middle of the greens, two putting for par. I was hitting it, missing the fairway, missed the green, ship it up stiff, make par, and we'd have. And after about six or seven holes of doing this, he's like, these are some of the sleaziest pars I've ever seen. And like, nobody thought anything about it, right? You know what I mean? Like, it was just a throwaway comment, whatever. Kept playing. Every hole from that point forward, more or less, whenever I'd miss a green, he'd be like, he'd say something like, here comes the sleaze or something like that. Or I'd chip it up there and he's like, this this fucking sleazy d or what you know like all that type of stuff and then we got in the we got in the clubhouse at the end and um dudes are like hey how'd you play or whatever he's like well this sleaze got 72 with you know five greens in regulation or whatever and i had no idea at that day when i left the club like everyone was going to call me sleaze from that point that's where it originated derek tolan that's his greatest contribution to society since (laughs) since age 16 (laughs) love you derek love you so you, in that story, mentioned Whisper Rock, and that brings us to our mashed potatoes of today's conversation. Mashed potato! 
Guys, Harry, Chris, Tony, you all know about Whisper Rock, but do you think it's fair to say that a good bit of our listeners might not know what Whisper Rock is? I would say yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty pretty exclusive entity. It's It definitely has yeah. a certain kind of mystique and ambiance around it, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's a totally different type of golf club, really, really different than almost anywhere else, even within, you know, the number of clubs kind of there in that Scottsdale area. It's almost like a secret society of golf clubs, right? Like Because from, from what I know, it has the most PGA professional golf members of any club in the world, correct? If you know the secret handshake, right, Drew? Yeah, it's like, it's a lot like skull and bones. You got to murder somebody to get in and they got to have <laughs> some dirt on you, you know, before you can be trusted and all that. No, but I, I do think, yeah, you're, you're pretty right. I think sometimes you hear the name brought up on a broadcast or something right, like that, right? Gary McCord is still a member there. Peter Costas, when those guys are working, you might hear it. And now Colt knows he's out there doing some broadcasting. Like, the, And there's so many members. Uh, like Miranda, I think there's, I mean, I'd ha- I haven't looked recently, but I bet there's 20 plus maybe PGA Tour players that are members out there. You got yeah. a handful of Corn Ferry Tour players. There's a couple Jicky Jack players too. I mean, it's a there's a lot of guys that gravitate towards this place just because, I mean, the golf is fantastic. The golf courses are good. I don't think any one golf course in Arizona is 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 incredible compared to some of the stuff back east or you know the kind of the classic golf courses in the united states but it's more just like the people that you're around i mean whether it's phil mickelson shows up or jeff ogilvy or whoever like nobody bats an eye like you walk in and everyone's treated the same there's no ego you check it at the door and like someone might win a major they walk in and you know the next day and the one of the staff guys is giving him shit about what he's wearing or something you know there's just it's just like it's the only way I can describe it. It's like it's the ultimate guy's golf club. There's no tennis. There's no pool. There's no nothing. If you're a dude and you like to golf and you're a cool guy and you want to hang out with other guys that have those exact same interests, like there, there's really no better place that I've seen in terms of like we call it the hang. Like you might hear that reference <laughs> sometime. Like it's all about the hang, right? Really, there's no rules. You can play sixsomes, eightsomes, twelvesomes if you can keep up. Um, dress code's pretty lax. If you get in trouble at Whisper Rock, like you've really done something to deserve it. So it's just a low-key vibe there's not a lot of pub around the place but you hear the name brought up a lot and there's a lot of a lot of dudes that can golf their ball around there sounds like a really cheap membership (laughs) sounds like it's gonna be really affordable yeah it's this uh you know it's a one-time entry fee 100 bucks a month you know they keep it light no it's it could be a little pricey i got lucky on that because the way that i got in this place was this is actually kind of funny so I moved out here and I had some friends that were members. Uh, I, when I graduated from TCU in 07, I moved out here in 2008. And I knew about Whisper Rock. I'd been to Whisper Rock and it was just like the Mecca. I was just starting my professional golf career. I was like, this is where I need to be. This is where all the good players are. So I'd heard about these junior memberships that they have, right? Which is basically like if you're a young guy, maybe you haven't made it on tour yet, made a bunch of money. Like they, can, they offer these junior memberships to guys and it's way cheap, right? It's like not a lot of money. What's not a lot of money? Hold on. Well, I'll say this, it, it varies, right? I mean, it's kind of build your own plan uh, on that junior program. I don't want to like divulge too much because mm-hmm. I think they kinda... I'd be the person you'd have to murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could add another body to my resume. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like a build your own program, right? But the thing is, it's an invitation only deal. So yeah. like basically they would do, it kind of varies, but two or three a year, right? All right. So John Rom graduates from ASU. He's, he was John Rom before John Rom, right? The guy we know now. He's an ASU guy. He'd won everything. He was the next big deal. They offered him a junior membership when John Rom joined. Okay. 
John Rom took that. And then about two months later, I think he'd made about a million five on tour and he paid <laughs> off his entire membership like in a month. You know what I mean? Like he's probably one of the few guys to ever do that. For the rest of us, it takes a little time, but it's an invitation only is, is the main thing, right? So they come to you and say, hey, John, we'd like to offer you a junior membership at Whisper Rock. And then you kind of go to them and say, well, here's what I can afford. Here's how can we make it work? They'll make it work for you. If they invite you, they'll work with you, right? Well, I didn't know that part. So I literally like went in there and was like asking like, yo, I'm really, I would like one of these junior members. It'd be like, you know, I'm like asking for the, like the backstage, I'd like to be invited to the Victoria's Secret backstage. You know, it's like, dude, if, yes, no shit, buddy. Probably everybody else in the world would like that deal too. And they kind of like politely told me, hey, uh, yeah, thanks for your, thanks for your inquiry. If you want to have a full membership and join for all the full boat, let's talk. And I was like, well, I don't have that kind of money. And so basically I was like, See you later. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, dude, I can't believe I did that. What the fuck am I thinking? That's the dumbest thing. Of course, dude, it's an invitation deal. Otherwise, everyone would freaking apply for this thing. So anyways, I thought I'd killed myself with that deal. And then about two years later, in the interim, I'd been up there a bunch of times with buddies playing, gotten to know a ton of the members. A year and a half or two years later, relatively quickly, um, I got a call from the membership director out there saying, we'd like to invite you to be a junior member out here. And it was like one of the coolest things in my life just because like the the gate swung open and just the relationships, the people you meet, like all my friends are from there. You know what I mean? It, not only for golf, but all the people I hang out with outside of golf. It just like, it was life-changing legitimately. Yeah, I heard this rumor that um, my golf spy is going to get that like invitation into that <laughs> Corporate society. membership. <laughs> yeah, it was just a, just heard that. <laughs> Yeah, you guys, what you should do is just fly down here and just drive up to the gate and tell them you'd like to apply for the junior membership. <laughs> That's what goes, we they, they love when you do that. It goes over really well. <laughs> so you've got to have some stories of all of these like big name guys that you're playing with, just casual rounds of golf. And I do hear that one of them involves Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Have you spanked his yes. ass? <laughs> right, that's what I want to hear. Have you beat literally or figuratively? <laughs> both. both. Why not? Actually, the answer is yes to both. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so this was man, how long ago now? Call it eight or nine years ago. First time I ever met Phil, and uh, Phil's a member at Whisprock. He built the first golf course there, the lower golf course. That was his first design of a golf course, right? So it's like his place. Like everyone's used to seeing all the big name pro athletes and things like that, but Phil is like the guy. I would say he's the. He's the king of that place. He helped build it. He helped make it. And he's just revered in this town. And he's like a legend. So anyways, Phil will pop in every now and then for like a day or two. His, his, his swing coach is here, Andrew Getson. They'll put in some work. He'll play 18 or 36 and then blast off and go to whatever tournament he's going to. Uh, I get a phone call at night and I was still I was still playing professionally at the time. And um, it's my buddy who played with Phil at ASU. He's like, hey, dude, um, what are you doing tomorrow? The big lefty's coming in town. You want to play? And I was like, uh, Yeah. I think I'm available to play with Phil tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. So I was like, holy shit, it's my first time meeting Phil. I mean, it's a guy I looked up to growing up. We go out there, we're warming up. There he is. I shake his hand. I'm not a shy guy, but like seeing Phil for the first time, really, and like meeting him and stuff, I was kind of like, you know, in awe a little bit, right? So we warm up, we go over. Um, it's all pretty casual. We go to the first tee. It's like, we got to have a bet, right? So um, I make a bet with Phil. Um, and it was more money than I probably should have played Phil Mickelson for at the time. But if like, what are you going to ask Phil for $20 Nassau? Like, come on, you know what I mean? Like that's $1 a hole, $5, two downs. Like Phil's going to just be like, no, let's just not even have anything. Right. So anyways, does Phil listen to y'all's show? I hope no. I don't get in trouble. For oh, I'm, not sure, that he's told I'm sure us, he does. He may now. He might. Yeah. He this might. might be his okay. first episode. If, it's not bad, but anyways. Um, so I, <laughs> I ended up playing him for $400. Okay. We had a $400 match just straight up me versus him. And I was like, well, 
that's more than I normally play dudes for, but it's Phil. What the hell? You know, I pay a million just to play with Phil, right? And then he asked me, he's like, you want shots or odds, right? And I'm like, neither, dude. If I'm playing Phil Mickelson, I'm playing freaking Phil Mickelson straight up. If I beat you with like a, if you give me a shot or two shots, like that's not It's like cool not thing. real. Yeah. It's like, all right, straight up $400 bet. We play, we're going along. It was good golf. It wasn't anything crazy, but at the end of the day, I am one up with two to go. 17 hole is a, is a par three down there. And uh, I got the tee and I had a nine iron to like, I mean, kick in like a foot. And I'm like, oh my God, like Phil hits it to like 30 feet or something, misses. I got like a kick in. He makes me putt it. I mean, it should have been good, but I go up there and I, I putt it. I'm like nervous over this putt, right? I'm like, this is it. This is it. This is the beat Phil. So I knock in this like whatever, two foot or whatever it was. Well, we still have a hole left. So Phil, Phil says, Presses. all right, I'll give you the Aloha. Uh, yeah, I'll give you the Aloha, which Aloha right. is double or nothing, right? So I was like, oh, okay. Well, I won the match, but like if Phil beats me on this hole, I get no money from Phil. It's like, it's a wash. You know what I mean? So I'm like, shit, I got I to gotta at least tie one more hole out here. So the 18th is a par five. We played it all the way back on what they call the Phil tees. We both end up getting up and down for birdie. So we have 18 with birdie. I'm like, oh my God, I just beat Phil Mickelson. This is the sickest thing that's ever happened. I don't care what happens on the Jicky Jack tours or Q school or whatever. I can always say I beat <laughs> Phil straight up. So right there on the 18th green, we go to shake hands, you know, hey, that was fun, blah, blah, blah. And, it, and the $400 is in his hand. He hands it to me as he shakes my hand. I was like, 400 bucks. I was like, holy shit. And by this point, Phil and I have like a pretty good banter. We're, we're back and forth and we're joking. We're having a good time. And so my buddy, who's like one of his best friends in the world, is like, dude, you know what you need to do when we get in? You need to sign one of the catalogs for him. So the catalogs at Whisper Rock, that we have, a, we have like an annual catalog with all pictures and all the results from all of our tournaments and things like that. Well, if you win the club championship at Whisper Rock, the, cha the championship flight, you're on the cover. There's a cover shot of you on the cover. So I had won it that year. So I was on the cover of the, we call it the catalog. And he's like, dude, you got to go in and sign a catalog for him. And I'm like, shut up. I was like, seriously, should I do it? He's like, dude, he will love it. Come give it to him at lunch and make it like a big thing. And I'm like, that's a fucking great idea. All right, I'm going to do that. So we go in, we wash up, we sit down. I'm sitting right next to Phil. He's on my right. And we order lunch and I, I excuse myself. I'm going to get up real quick. I walk to the back. I grab one of the catalogs, get a Sharpie from one of the guys. And I write, Phil, comma, you have a very nice game. Never give up. So I put it, I, I put it like in my back of my pants, right? So I'm waiting for the right time, like a lull in the conversation. As soon as it dies down, I, I put my arm around him. Like, Phil, man, hey, dude, just want to give you this as a token of my appreciation. Thank you so much for coming out. Anytime you're in town, give me a call. <laughs> Happy to take you out, dude. But I like what I saw today. I think you got a bright future in this game. Just, just don't give up, right? You know what I mean? And he, and he totally goes along with it. He's like, oh, my God, dude, you didn't need to do this. You know, this is, this is, this is beyond nice. I didn't want to ask you for this and all this stuff. This was a serious part, actually. So I had the, the, the money that I'd won from him. And I, I had the Sharpie, too. So I slid him a $100 bill. And I said, you know what, if you could just sign this for me, we'll call it even. And I was dead serious. I was like, dude, if I got a $100 bill with Phil Mickelson's name on it, like, I ain't spending it. I could be dead broke on my last dollar. So I slide him the 100 and the Sharpie. And he doesn't even look at me. He doesn't even, and he puts his hand, slides it straight back to me and says, <laughs> in so many words, he said, go forget yourself. Okay? I thought <laughs> and, you were going to uh, say you put it back in his pocket. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to like, uh, I'm not going to quote Phil in case it gets into something, but he basically said, forget yourself. Right. And slid it right back. And we all laughed and I was joking around, but I was also like, damn, I really wanted that. <laughs> I wanted that hundred. You know what I mean? So anyways, we finished lunch. We wrap up. He walks out. This is when Bones was looping for him. They were flying to Marion at the time 
to play a couple of practice rounds before the U.S. Open. And then I think they were going to Memphis, which is right before, I believe, right before the U.S. Open. Either the next day or the day after, I get a text from Bones. And uh, Bones says, hey, dude, we just checked into the hotel in Philadelphia. Phil wanted me to let you know that he checked in under the name Drew Stoltz and he can't thank you enough because he's never been more anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, you know, even oh. when you beat Phil, you don't beat Phil because he's got that. And like for the longest time, like every literally to this day, every time I see Phil is like, dude, but I'm batting a thousand. Never been hassled one time at a hotel. <laughs> Nobody knows who Drew Stoltz is. Thank you. So like you're the best, best $400 I ever spent and all this stuff. So I was like, all right, tip of the cap, touche. But that's kind of like our running, running joke. I'll have some buddies who know that story that if they go out to like, I think it was Muirfield last year. Uh, someone shouted out like, let's go Drew Stoltz or something like that to <laughs> Phil. And like Phil, Phil like turned his head around and gave the thumbs that's up or funny. whatever. So it's kind of like our little running mm -hmm. joke or whatever. But um. Dude, he's been the best dude to me. Like, I'm a nothing. He's the biggest deal in the world. And, like, from day one, he's been so cool to me and always, like, willing to play and wanting to have fun. He's a guy, if you can – he likes to banter a bit out there. If you can kind of give it back and, and take some jabs and give some jabs too. I mean, we've had some pretty cool, fun times together. And uh, I love the man and watching – seeing what he did, you know, at the PGA was, was freaking – I don't care what he does for the rest of his career. That was incredible. I was going to ask you, is he the best shit talker or is there someone better? I think, well, here's what Phil has. And we've talked about this. Like, no matter what you say to Phil, you can have the most clever, witty comment about his clothes or what anything, right? A shot he hits. He always has the trump card and it comes back to like majors one or Ryder Cups or money mate. You know what I mean? Like the only guy that can shit on that is Tiger. And that's why when they get together, like Tiger, you know, Phil can't bring up his, his green jackets or his Ryder Cups or things like that. This is another great story. I'll give you another great story right here. Right. I just thought of all right, so we're out at this two-man event out at the plantation. There's a pro scratch event out there. It's one pro and one scratch guy. It's like, normally, they're like plus handicaps. And it's a ton of tour guys. It's a great event. It's one of the most fun events of the year. Well, Phil comes out there and plays. And um, after the first round, he's got a place over at the Madison Club. He uh, invites a handful of us over to like play cards and have dinner and things like that. Right? He's like, yo, meet over there at 7 o'clock. We'll have a nice dinner. It'll be a good time, blah, blah, blah. We get there a little before seven and no fill, but the rest of us are there. And we seven ten, no fill, the rest of us are there. And then like seven fifteen, here comes Phil and he's strolling down and he's wearing a white robe and a black black Padres fitted hat, right? And sand and flip flops or whatever. Like I mean, we're all in like you know dinner clothes, like a polo, whatever pants, normal clothes, right? <laughs> and he comes down in a robe. I, I can't even remember what the number is, but it was his Ryder Cup robe, right? And it says Phil Mickelson Ryder Cup, whatever year it was. He's like. Sorry, boys, when you got eight of these things, it's hard to pick out which one you want to wear or something like that, you know, like shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, what can you say to that? You know what I mean? But I mean, he loves it. He, he's quick to give the needle, but he's quick to take it. And he's just, uh, man, he's, he's a fun guy to be around. He's just got that juice. He's got that, uh, you know, the kind of that, that aura. Some people, Drew, might suggest that you're a, a relatively accomplished shit talker yourself. Who would be on your Mount Rushmore? of on-course <laughs> shit talkers like we got a spot oh, for drew course. we'll put drew on there we'll put phil on there but you got two more spots or three we can we can find a bigger mountain you know if we need to. i'll give you i'll give you an under the radar sneaky shit talker very dry very sarcastic and like kind of subtle but it's awesome is um bryce Mulder who doesn't play on the PGA Tour anymore, but did. He's a Georgia Tech guy, arguably the greatest college golfer of all time. You know, he won one time on tour, kind of fell out of love with golf and quit a handful of years ago. But, uh, dude, he's 
his rap is it's different. It's quieter. It's not as many words. It's subtle, but he's awesome. He's really, really funny, and he can take it um, just as well. So Bryce Mulder would be up there. I would throw Colt into the mix, too, just because he likes to keep going, too. He's kind of, like, relentless on, you know what I mean? Just like a like a chihuahua keeps biting at your ankles. Like, he just, what you can't shake him off. Um, he's like a chihuahua with a really low center of gravity. Like, whatever that he's hard to, Yeah, dude. Low man wins. Low man wins. He's got a low pad level. <laughs> You know, Graham Dillette is a good one, too. Graham, I mean, dude, honestly, you get out there. There's, If you get in the right group, like, and you hit a bad shot or do something, like, it's all offense out there. You better bring your <laughs> gloves, you know, and your armor because you're going to get beat up. You can quickly, like, start to have a pretty low self-esteem out there in the wrong crowd if you let this stuff get to you. But there's a, there's a lot of dudes out there. But the, like I said, Phil's got that trump card with just, like, the resume. Nobody can touch it. So what do you, you know, you got to go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. All right. Why don't we check the mail today, guys? What do you think? Check Tony, it. are you ready for a mailbag? Sure. <laughs> He's super excited today. <laughs> Tony's fired up. I was going to say, I was waiting for you to... Mailbag! There, there we go. Is. That's what I was looking for. All right. So today, Michael wants to know, and uh, Drew or Sleaze, I'm not quite sure which one to call you now since you say no one calls you Drew anymore, but um, you can chime in on this too. He wants to know if you had to pick one company to play a full custom set, he says excluding the putter, who would it be? Who wants to start? Oh, I hate that question. Uh, man, like it for me, it, it changes by the year. I mean, right now I've got... No, no, Tony, you got to <laughs> narrow so, it down. You're not weaseling out of this one. It's, yeah, Titleist. Titleist, okay. A whole set. Okay. yeah. Yeah. All right. He's so depressed right now. He's like, I shit. I want yeah. your reasoning. Can you give me your reasoning? No, he cannot. <laughs> I mean, I got right now the top of my bag and the bottom of my bag with, you know, excluding yeah. the putter. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I got driver and fairway woods from Titleist. I got Vokey wedges and, you know, and I always go back to the Mizuno irons, but I could make do. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, Are you saying yeah, that Titleist doesn't make a good iron? No, I didn't. I, like I said, yeah. I just always <laughs> go back to the Mizuno. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... We'll see. I'm I'm excited for the new stuff, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean that's that's the best answer I have at this moment in time. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Harry, what about you? What have you got? Uh, I would go with Strixon, purely because a whole set, a whole set. Yeah. Well, you got Strixon Cleveland. Yeah, he could he could get the wedges there. He's good. You get the wedges in there. You got your driving iron. I mean, I'm, I, for the most part, I'm I'm hitting all my irons throughout the whole round. You're so picky about your driver, though. I am very picky about my driver, but like I said, I could make do of hitting 350-yard bombs with a Strixon, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I use their irons. I use their driving iron. I used to use their wedges for Cleveland wedges, so I'm right there anyway. So just throw a, a driver and a three-wood in their bag, and I'm good to go. Fair enough. Sleaze, how about you? Do you have a, a good answer here? Yeah, if I'm going top to bottom, I'd go with Ping. They're the I grew up playing them. I played. Uh, we were at Ping school in college. They took care of me when I was playing professionally. I'm brand agnostic right now, but if I had to go one through fourteen through the back, I'd take the putter with them too. I still put with the Ping putter, so it would be Ping for me, just because I think it fits my eye and I'm I'm so used to it. I think they do a great job through the back. All right, solid answer. He knew that one. Chris, what do you got? What are you playing? So I'm going to answer your question with a question. Of Here course. we go. Jesus, Tony. Yeah. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sorry. I've started this. 
Yep, this is on you, Tony. I thought Sleeves was going to say whatever I told him to play, too, because they'll like, text me like, hey, is this new club any good? Hey, what mm-hmm. about this shaft? Is that shaft any good or whatever? And, and you know, again, if I had, I could, I would leverage part of the mortgage on my house if, if Drew plays amateur stuff. He could be the best mid-am in the country for sure. So Thank you. All right, so question with a question. What was our number one most wanted players iron last year? Harry, what do we got? Why are you coming to me? Jeez, uh, Mizuno. Nope. Was it at Hanma, the TR20V? Yeah, it was. Probably. Number yeah, one maybe. players iron. That's, that's the only one that Mizuno didn't win, I think, then. Okay, so what was the same year? Most wanted wedge. Hanma. Hanma TW4. Yeah. Okay. Are you about to say Hanma? I am. Miranda, you're, you're picking up what I'm putting down here. I'm, yeah. I'm um, stepping in what you're smelling or smelling what you're stepping <laughs> in, whatever in that something. is. <laughs> so you look at the drivers. Again, it was the first collaboration totally between the U.S., design team which right. was uh headed by a gentleman no longer uh no longer there chris mcginley but he had a long time tenure i was gonna say when's the when's the second or third one coming i don't know but as of right now today <laughs> even just looking at our most wanted testing top to bottom you could you could make a very very solid argument that if we were to do like a most wanted players cup hanma would be top three in that so chris <laughs> you yes i'm surprised you're playing um that iron because it didn't do that well it came middle to lower part of the pack for forgiveness, and I know you miss hit shots quite regularly, so you might <laughs> be this guy. you might be getting fucked on that. To be honest, well, so, I <laughs> you know you haven't seen my game recently. Yeah, maybe, but it's a full on cavity back. You know, Mizuno would be right there too, though. But I'm going Hanma for my. So he's got like seven answer. answers. This is the kind of stuff I get yeah. yelled at for. I have seven kids. I get one answer. <laughs> I get one answer for each kid. I get a write off of my taxes. <laughs> We did get some um, specific mailbag questions for you, Drew. Let's see. Why are all of these about food? Do you talk about food a lot on your radio show? Never. If you looked at Drew's calves, you would not think he ever eats. If you see my physique, Miranda, this would make sense. You know, <laughs> next time I'll do, I'll do like a full body thing. Okay, next time. <laughs> that, that would be helpful. I'm going to require all guests to do an up down first so oh. that I know what I'm dealing with. You will understand when you see the five inches above my kneecap. It's, uh, <laughs> it looks like I've been on a hunger strike for the last decade. And that's that's total circumference. That's not diameter. No, dude, it's all the way. <laughs> Someone else just said training aids, so I'll adapt it and ask what your favorite, if any, training aids are. Yeah, I'll give you one full swing one, and it's the only thing that I use. I'm a very non-technical player. I don't really care about positions and all that. I just care about ball flight. But the one thing that I used to get in trouble with was my tempo, especially from the top quick transition, which a lot of guys struggle with. So there's a club. I think it's on. It's a teacher I used to work with for a minute, Gabe Yardstead. Um, it's called Gabe Golf, and it's basically an eight iron. It's nothing special, but there's like BBs or weights or something inside the shaft. So basically you take it back and you let the BBs fall. You can hear the BBs like fall down the shaft when you're in the transition at the top, the, the weights drop. And it just forces you to like, all right, take it to the top. Then you can hear something that signifies like, all right, now there's been a pause at the top of your golf swing. So it's a trigger. Yeah, exactly. And you can cater it. Like I used to take it to the top. And once I heard the beads start falling, I would go down. Some people like to put it up there in Hideki, you know, wait for a second, <laughs> let them drop all the way to the bottom and then go. I just practiced with that a lot because it just gave me that little slight pause at the top. And it was so basic. Like there's no... And there's no zero technique or anything like that or positions. It's just, yo, give it a second at the top. So that would be my full swing. And then with the putter, the only thing I ever use, and I think it's the only thing you need, is the thing where you put the ball on and there's the two, you got the two BBs on the end of it, you know? 
and you try to put it through the through the BBs without hitting it, and yeah. you can set it on different. You know what I'm talking about? Is that Pels? I don't it's, even know. Yeah, if that's it's, Pels, or... it's Pels, Pels has one. A couple others come out, but basically, it's yeah, like I a mini gate drill. Like you can make them narrower or wider, whatever ones you want. Yeah, you can make it. There's like expert, medium, and beginner, basically. So that was the only thing I traveled with for putting. I would hit straight putts. Once I did that, then I'd go find right to left, left to right. And so it's amazing how all all on the beginner stage, right? All on, I didn't even yeah, use the BBs, dude. Yeah, I just I was, actually <laughs> I I super glued the BBs into the slot so that no one would know. Like, oh my god, dude, Drew never misses. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> one of the last mailbag questions uh, was a request for your what's in the bag. You've alluded to a couple of things, but do you want to give us the the top to bottom what you're playing right now? All right, what's in the bag? I got the PXG forged wedges. Uh, I think they're the Zulus. I don't know. I, I grinded them. They have very little bounce. I'm, I'm a no bounce guy. I like to lay that thing pretty open when I chip. So I got those wedges. I got the Gen 1 PXG blade irons. The T, I think it's the T's. I got the PXG original OG hybrid. So I've got the two, Ooh. the other hybrids, but it's not as good. It's I don't hit it as good. I, I spin it more. Um, so I really do like that hybrid. So there's one wood, I guess, if you want to call it that, that I play from PXG. I got an old school and I'll probably whiff on the, the, which model old ping three wood. I think it's a G 30. Does that sound real? Is it blue on the bottom? Is it blue? Say, yeah, is it blue? it's a blue, but dude, it's like, it's yeah. like old, like, it's like not even close to like one of their new ones. It's one of the only ones I at the time three woods I ever had that I could hit off the deck. I get it off the ground really well and hit it high enough to potentially like hold the green, but also not spin it off the tee. So I got that in the bag still. And then I got the, the sim driver. I don't know, even know which one it is. I know what shaft I got. It's that Diamana black nickel. I think I sent you the picture of it one time. Yep. yep. Uh, whatever that Diamana X, I think it's either 65 or 75. Uh, grams. I can't. I don't know which one. I'm like, to, like I told y'all, dude. I'm terrible with tech. I don't know. I think you kept screwing up the name sometimes on purpose of it. But <laughs> no, it like, that's when we were talking about the Tesla shaft, which is actually the Tenzi or whatever. The Tenzi. Yeah. No, yeah. I was like, I tried the Tesla, but I wasn't <laughs> as good. For a second, you had me going. I was like, Tesla's doing shafts. Dude, Elon probably has that tucked away. He's probably got the best shaft ever. But yeah, I hit that Tesla. It wasn't as good as the Diamana. So I got the Diamana. And then my putter, dude. This is my only. You can steal my whole bag. My golf clubs get stolen. They can have them, take them. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Just leave me my putter. It is a uh, Wolverine, old ping Wolverine, center shafted with that white insert. And it's, I built it up to, it's like 37 and a half inches. I don't think I've changed the grip since I stopped playing golf, which has been six years ago. Bury me with that thing because I, I love it. I try, I've experimented a little bit here and there with other putters. Always go back to that putter. And uh, I mean, that thing, that thing's my, my bread and butter. That thing's got bodies on it, like Chapo. <laughs> Tony, you were nodding. Is that something that you were like, ooh, good choice? Well, it's, I mean, it's it's kind of an odd choice, so that's always cool when it's something that's a little outside the mainstream. I mean, that, that Wolverine is not Ping's most popular design, but it's definitely kind of one of those cool ones, you know? Love it. Yeah, I think there's the only guy that uses it on tour that I'm aware of is um, Nate Lashley uses the exact same one, except his is standard length. And Nate and I used to, like, we played a ton together. We had very similar like specs and preferences on putters. So he and I used to pass putters around. I'd go into ping and I'd be like, yo, what's what what Nate come in here and try? Let me see those because we always like the same stuff. But I think he's the only dude that was that used it. And then Harris English was using the not the center shaft. He was using a Wolverine, different model, but same insert. And his was the gooseneck. I just have the center shafted um, OG. You know what I'm interested in? Because I, I do all the soft goods. What shoes do you wear? Right? Oh, good question. What do, mm, very what, good what question. Shoes? Harry's a big feet Very, guy. 
I like that. I've moved since I stopped playing golf. Um, I'm pretty much exclusively Jordans, I think. I don't know if I own – I should take that back. I got one of those Nike – those like low trainers, you know, that are like the, the rubber sold ones that yeah. I kind of wear if it's iffy weather. Air or Max kind of thing. They're good right? in the desert. Yeah, those Air Max ones. But I pretty much do wear Jordans across the board. I mean, I have a few pairs of the 11s. I got the Wolf Gray 11s. I got the all white 11s. The black patent leather 11s, which I've only worn like one time. They're really hot on your feet, especially in Arizona. It's like my feet just melt in those things. I have a pretty decent little collection of um, Jordan golf shoes, which is kind of you know, about when I quit was kind of when they started coming out more and more with those things. And I, I, I vowed, I was like, I'll never wear another, Dude, by the way, I never, I haven't walked around a golf that I've played. And for, I, I caddied for Wyndham Clark last week at colonial. And like on the first practice round hole, I was like, dude, I shit you not. I cannot remember the last time I walked 18 holes, much less with this big ass golf bag you got with all this crap. I was like, I, I honestly haven't walked 18 in ages. I mean, I'm carts, drinks, music drive up to the ball and let's go have a time so harry did you did you just die a little inside with that answer yeah very much so yeah why are you like a purist walk the walk the course no no i i test all the shoes so i was like jordan's we definitely have to test jordan's you can get them but nikes haven't done that well in the testing to be honest so you're a style kind of guy. You like, I like a little bit of style. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. Cause like I said, dude, if I have to walk more than like seven steps to my golf ball, the only time I walk <laughs> is when we park. Like I don't need stability. I don't need all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, like yeah. if there's enough spike for me to feel like I'm, you know, solid on the ground, like that's pretty much it. And I need something that looks good with the socks. Now, didn't, when you caddied last week, didn't I see a video of you like caressing the sand Oh, you saw that, huh? It was it was kind of like sexual, but a little oh, bit dude. creepy. <laughs> it wasn't a little sexual. It was, it was a lot sexual, but it was like the Titanic love scene. Was like what the, I was doing the, the, the PGA Tour guys, they didn't film anything about yeah. that really good shot that it just happened from the bunker. They filmed you. Oh, Wyndham hit it to this. Yeah. Just caressing the sand. That was our first bunker of the week. I'd gotten a couple, I mean... These, these players in caddy like everyone was giving me shit for being out there and having a good time with it but like at some point they were it was like they were acting like i'd never been on a golf course before like dude do you even know how to rake a bunker i was like yeah i think i break a fucking bunker dude i hit it in eight million of these things you know what i mean like relax i've actually believe it or not i've been on a course before but anyways that was our first one of the week and um and when luckily he flipped it up there to like a foot yeah. i mean it was a perfect shot so he was dead all i had to do was hand him my putter and i was like and that's a popular spot that bunker i knew was going to get hit a lot that day and I was like, the last thing that can happen is if I catch shit for like a bad rake job and a player gets a bad lie or something. So dude, I, I, I spent like 90 seconds on rake jobs that would take normal guys like 12, you know what I mean? I mean, dude, I was just, I was like, oh. All it needed oh. was David Amber in the background and it would be like perfect. <laughs> That was the my magnum opus of rake, of bunker raking, dude. That thing was like my pride and joy. I, I took very big pride in my bunker raking this week. But then like Kurt Byron was up in the tower, Colt was on the call, and they like they were just waiting for a potential opportunity to like if Wyndham could get on to make fun of me. And then yeah, they they took full advantage. <laughs> All right, everybody, we got to let Sleeves get back to his day. So we're going to call this one here. Don't forget, we're back every Tuesday. You can catch us here. Uh, we also are always collecting mailbag questions. So if you have questions you want us to answer on the show, you can leave it in the comments. You can check all of our social media channels and send it to us that way. Uh, we look at all of them. Doesn't matter to us. Uh, Sleeves, thank you so much for being here with us. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, we'd love to have you back. 
Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you all for having me. You guys do a great job. And um, yeah, anytime you need uh, some, someone to fill some time, I'm, I'm here. I like the stories. They work for me. All right. Until next time, everybody. We out.